Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of Believe Podcasts and the Buzz Radio Network. The former Arkansas Razorback baseball player Tyler Spoon. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, highly questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former head athlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. D1Baseball.com editor Aaron Fitt. And current Razorback freshman star Devo Davis. Mr. Ryan McGee. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. A Razorback great and current SEC Network basketball analyst, Pat the Shooter Bradley. Here are your hosts, Kyle Sutherland, Kevin Bohannon, and Porter Hayes. Welcome in to episode 207 of the one and only Hog Talk podcast live from the Heinemann Services Studios. I am your host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside Porter Hayes, and we thank you for joining us once again. Whether you're listening on 106.7 The Buzz 2 or another platform, we sure appreciate you coming to hang out with us. And if you're listening on one of the podcast forums, be sure and hit that subscribe button if you have not already so you never miss an episode. And if you could also be so kind on Apple Podcasts to leave us a five-star rating and a written review so we can help us continue to get our name out there. The show is brought to you, as always, by our friends at Bet Online. They've got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. Plus, the best part, it's free to sign up. So sign up on your desktop today or mobile device by going to betonline.ag and you will receive 50% off your welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Guys, we got a great show for you today. We're going to hear things that you have never heard before. We all remember Gus Malzahn, Mitch Mustaine, those two in particular from the Springdale Five, from the infamous 2005 Springdale team, the greatest team ever assembled in the history of Arkansas high school football. You've heard a little bit here from Damian Williams, pretty quiet guy. You almost pretty much have heard nothing from Andrew Norman, one of the guys that was kind of on the uh, the back end, I guess, as you could say. He ended up going to Tulsa and just really was a, uh, a quiet guy throughout the process. Been Cleveland for the most part, which we had on here uh, long before I ever joined the, the hog talk, and he went into some of the details about what went on. But you, you hardly heard from Bartley Webb. Bartley Webb was uh, the only one that initially did not go to Arkansas. He elected to go to Notre Dame, and we do talk about that with him here in just a couple of moments and uh, tell some things from his perspective that I really don't think not a lot of people outside of his circle would know. Maybe some guys or people that he went to Notre Dame with, he had mentioned about it and all that, but Porter and I go in-depth with him throughout a little bit of that 2005 season, some before that, and then also, of course, that whole entire process uh, as that all went down. And so I'll go ahead and uh, shut up, and we will get right into it. And, guys, again, please be sure, if you haven't already, be, uh, subscribe to the podcast. We would love for you to tell us how we're doing and, and all that good stuff. And so without further ado, here's the interview with Bartley Webb. Now joining us on the Workman's Travel Center hotline is current Springdale Harbor assistant coach and former Springdale Bulldog and Notre Dame offensive lineman, Bartley Webb. Bartley, really appreciate you taking the time to come and talk with us today. Oh, absolutely. Glad to be here. Well, and as I mentioned, you're at Springdale Harbor now, and I know you've coached at a few other places since you had to retire from football due to a shoulder injury uh, back in sometime around, I think it was like your sophomore or junior year at Notre Dame. And so tell us right. a little bit uh, since that time where you've been, and uh, I know you've kind of been at various places across the country in college and high school. So just kind of run us through that before we get into uh, your high school career there. Okay. So I, uh, yeah, I got, it was a shoulder injury, um, at the end of my sophomore season had, uh, shoulder surgery and had to retire from, from the game. It was a career ending injury. Um, and I had a burning desire to go into coaching, um, from as far back. So I was probably 13, 14 years old when I started really thinking that that's what I wanted to do. Um, and I had some, I had built up some connections from, from various people through the recruiting process of myself and all that. Um, so I was able to, I went to, to Charlie Weiss when I got hurt and I said, Hey, here's what I want to do. Um, 
could I do like a student, an undergrad assistant role? Um, and he was willing to, to let me do that, uh, to kind of get my feet wet. Um, and so I did that for the spring, um, spring camp that year. That would have been spring of 08. And, uh, you know, I, I loved every second of it. Um, and I ended up, uh, you know, finishing up at Notre Dame 2010 um, and, used some connections, offensive line coach I played for at Notre Dame, had knew some some people to and he was willing to help me out. And I got a, a graduate assistant job at Middle Tennessee State, uh, under Rick Stockstill, who's still currently the head coach there. Um and so in 2010 and 2011, I was at Middle Tennessee working with the offensive line, uh just doing just living the GA life, you know, uh, which is not much to speak of, but other than the fact that you get to be around football all day. Um, it's a good thing I had uh, a shower in the locker room and uh, a meal plan at the at the dining hall because uh, you know you don't get rich being a GA by any means. Um, and so I did that for two years, like I said, 2010, 2011, Middle Tennessee. Um, I finished up a master's degree while I was there in sports management, um, and you know I started looking then. Uh, what's the next step? And so had some connections, uh, some, some guys I played for, knew some people through recruiting. Um, and I got a phone call one day from, uh, Herb Hand, who's now at Central Florida. He's been at various places too. And I knew him from, from a while back, uh, when he was at Tulsa under coach Malzahn, uh, when coach Malzahn was OC. Anyway, he called me one day and he said, Hey, uh, I got a phone call from a guy that used to work here at Vanderbilt. Um, he just got hired as the quarterback's coach at Penn State under Bill O'Brien, and they're looking for an offensive line GA. I gave him your name. I hope you're okay with that. I was like, well, absolutely. <laughs> and do I need to call him? What do I need to do? He said, he's going he's gonna to reach out to you. Um, so I got a phone call that evening from uh, – not from from Charlie Fisher. He Charlie Fisher was who Coach Han said would probably call me, but – I got a phone call from a, a coach named Mac McWhorter, who, when I was being recruited, was the offensive line coach at the University of Texas. And so I knew Coach McWhorter from then, and he called me and said, well, I actually just got hired as the line coach at Penn State. Coach Fisher gave me your name, and I instantly recognized it. I uh, thought I'd give you a call. And so we had a few phone conversations over about a two-week period. Um, I went up to State College, Pennsylvania, and had an interview, went through the interview process with Coach O'Brien, and uh, I was on my way back to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and Coach O'Brien called me and uh, offered me the job. And so I went to Penn State. Uh, about three months later, I moved up there in June of 2012, and I was there about three weeks before the NCAA dropped uh, the unprecedented uh, sanctions that Penn State received. Um, so that was quite a experience in just my very young career at that point on um, how to deal with adversity in your coaching career. Um, and anyway, so we go through those two seasons. Um, we have some pretty decent success given the circumstances. And Coach O'Brien leaves uh, to go to – the Houston Texans and you know he he took some guys with him that were on the uh uh position coaches um but a lot of us were kind of left behind there and coach Franklin you know he as happens in college all the time he wanted to bring in a lot of his own guys and um so I for for argument's sake I guess I was fired and um so I had to figure out what do I want to do next and how am I going to move forward. Um, I had already been thinking college, college coaching, the time restrictions and, and being gone so much, it's really hard to, to start a family. Um, and my wife and I were engaged at that point. And so I actually thought, well, maybe there's something else I need to be doing. So I actually got out of coaching for a year and, uh, that would have been 2014 football season. And I was, I was miserable um, because I just, I, I missed it a lot. And uh, so I got an opportunity uh, 
in the spring of 2015, um, I reached out. Zach Clark had just been hired at Springdale High School. Uh, obviously, I had connections there through playing there. And um, so he and I had had a few conversations over the course of several weeks. And um, there was an opportunity that allowed me to come back to Springdale, Arkansas and join that staff. And uh, so I was at Springdale High again for uh, four years. I spent four seasons there. And then I got an opportunity to go across town to Springdale Harbor and um, getting ready to start my third year there now. Uh, and the last two years, I was uh, fullbacks and tight ends coach and just through um, some staff turnover guys. Uh, uh, our offensive line coach got an unbelievable opportunity to go somewhere else and be an offensive coordinator. So that open the door. So this will be my first year officially as the offensive line coach at Harbor High School. And I want to back up to really, I guess, maybe around the time that you were in junior high at Springdale or Springdale, almost at Harbor, Springdale High, right before all the major success happened. And that was right around the time when Gerald Williams had retired and then Gus Malzahn comes in. Now, I know that that was not a very popular hire. Everybody knew the success that he had at Shiloh, but I know there were some that said it was small school ball. Gerald Williams was a run-the-ball kind of guy. Gus was going to throw it around. When did you oh, yeah. guys? Well, I want to ask you first. Did you now for those that don't remember? So it was Bartley Webb, and then also Mitch Mustaine, Andrew Norman, Ben Cleveland, and Damian Williams, the Springdale Five, and there was lots of other college prospects on that team too. But those were the main five yeah. that everybody was talking about. When did you guys gr- all grow up playing together, or when did you really begin? Um, not just just you five guys. Also, there was Matt Klinkskels in there who I knew from UCA and plenty of other ones. But yep. did most of you guys grow all grow up playing together for the most part? For the most part, we did. I can remember um, Mitch Mustaine and I were on the same Kiwanis Kids Day team here in Springdale uh, in the third grade. Um, Damien and I, I think he was also on that team. It was either third or fourth grade. He and I were on the same team. I can remember we. I went to elementary school first grade with Andrew Norman. So uh, we knew each other from a long time back, uh, which is – I was actually having that conversation today with somebody um, – about how, you know, we had a lot of success, but back then you, you hear a lot about these high school programs have a lot of move-ins or, you know, you'll have this this unbelievable quarterback or running back move in from parts unknown. And uh, that didn't happen on that team, which was really unique because we were all Springdale-raised kids. Um, uh, you know, of course, Ben Cleveland – was a move in, uh, but he moved in, I think, at the end of our sophomore year. So it wasn't a, a one year move in because of all the success we were having. He um, he moved in from Kansas. His his family moved down here uh, for work and and whatnot. But uh, for the most part, we were all um, raised to be Springdale kids, you know. And, and when did you all realize, you know, coming up that you had a chance of, of not only being the, the best team in the state, but going down as one of the best teams to ever come out of Arkansas? Um, you know, it's funny that you ask that because I really – it's hard to answer um, because one thing Coach Malzahn did really well with us um, just now that I'm, I'm in coaching, he really kept us humble and, and hungry – you know, so to speak, um, to get better. And, and we were always trying to get better. So we never really took the press clippings of saying that we were so, so great. And we always took it with a grain of salt. I was like, well, yeah, you know, we are having success, but you know, you know, the media will always kind of try to hype you up a little bit more than maybe you need to be. And so we always kind of took it with a grain of salt and, and, uh, I really, I kind of, it's kind of, uh, I'm kind of envious of how Coach Malzahn was able to do that, um, given just what we had on that roster. Um, and But I would say if I had to put an answer to it, I would say probably the at the end of the 2000, I'm sorry, at the beginning of the 2004 season, um, so that would have been my junior year, we played Evangel Christian 
out of Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, they came up to Springdale, and we played them on a Saturday afternoon uh, in, in early September. And going into that game, you know, we were the number two behind Little Rock Central. We were the number two ranked team in the state of Arkansas, and they were the number seven ranked team in the nation by USA Today. Um, and we went out there, I think the final score was like 35 to 14 or something. You know, we, we ended up being really successful and, and, and beating them, uh, in that first game. And I think that was probably the eye opener for me. It was like, Hey, we're, I mean, I knew we were okay, but up until that point, we had just been going against ourselves in training camp. So it was, it was, it was, uh, really interesting to see going up against what, you know, the nation was saying was one of the top 10 programs in the entire country and what the, the level of success we had in that game. Um, I think that was the moment where a lot of us kind of looked at each other and like, hey, we might have something uh, pretty special here. And Bartley, and on the part which is oh, – go, go ahead. Go ahead, Porter. You're good. Well, I was saying, you know, what you were talking about, you know, Coach Malzahn keeping you guys humble. Do you really think that – you know, the age before social media came along. Do you think that really helped you guys stay humble where you didn't have 24-7 access to your phones and social media to sit there and, you know, you only read about it in the newspapers and maybe a few message boards on on what people were saying about your team? I definitely think that helped. Without a doubt, that helped. Um, because you're right, we didn't have the access that kids nowadays have. Um, I mean, Facebook was – just in its early stages. And so, you know, we did not have um, nearly the access to any of that stuff like we would have today. Um, so I definitely think that played a big role in our ability to kind of drown out some of that noise. And I know that a lot of town, I know Springdale wouldn't necessarily be defined as a small town per se, or really not at all, but you, you look at the football towns, especially in Arkansas, Texas, Louisiana, you look all across the country, whenever a yeah. coach has been there for a long time at a program, typically starting from even elementary, junior high, around that age, you start running their offense. Was it difficult going, I can imagine you guys probably learned a similar version of what Gerald Williams was running all those years. Was it kind of tough going to what Gus had with the no huddle hurry up? So Gus was hired um, in, let's see, it would have been the, I don't remember exactly when he was hired, but his first season was the fall of 2001, which was our eighth grade year. Um, now, for as a district, a school district, we did not have seventh grade football associated with the district. So we were still running, you know, playing youth center football. Um, where, you know, each coach had their own form of whatever offense they wanted to run. It wasn't dictated by the, by the schools or by the high school's um, football coach. Um, so really, I think that also helped the fact that our first year learning the high school's version of, of the uh, offense and defense um, was our, I mean, our first year to be in that situation was Coach Malzahn's first year. So, we really didn't know any different. Um, now, of course, we all knew who Gerald Williams was. We all grew up going to games and watching teams that he put on the field, but we never were in a position where we learned anything that he was doing, so to speak. Um, so I think that really helped us because we didn't know any better. You know, um, obviously we had heard that Coach Malzahn you know, at Shiloh, they were putting up national numbers and breaking national records, throwing the ball. And, uh, of course, growing up watching Coach Williams and, and the Springdale Bulldogs that he put on the field, um, they were definitely run-oriented. So we knew there was some difference, but we didn't, we didn't know any different in terms of the offense we were learning at that level. And I know in ninth grade, that was when Mitch got the offer from the Razorbacks before. It was around ninth or tenth grade, sometime in there, before he had even taken yeah. a snap for the varsity team. And you mentioned how right. uh, Gus really did a good job. Gus and the other coaching staff did a great job of keeping you guys humble. Was that really the first time that you guys were kind of all like, wow, really, we've got a great quarterback here. There's tons of players that have a lot of potential here. And that was really when that all began. I would say so. Um, you know, we uh, – we definitely 
we definitely were excited to see what the future held with Mitch. Um, at that point, I mean, we knew we had good players, but at that point, we didn't know the level of how good of players we had. Um, that was the first indication that, okay, hey, we got a really good quarterback. Now, we all knew Damian Williams was really good. We all knew Andrew Norman was really good. We just didn't know how good the, the nation and college coaches viewed their skill set. Um, so that was the first time, yes, with Mitch that, Hey, we got a good quarterback. This is, this will be exciting to see what happens. Um, given the style of offense coach Malzahn ran. And I wanted to uh, also talk about that. Junior. You mentioned about you guys in Little Rock Central. Central had some incredible teams at that time and uh, back-to-back yes. state champs. And at that particular mm-hmm. time, Central Arkansas was the one that was really putting out the teams. Northwest Arkansas was down a little bit. And then, of course, after you guys yep. won state in 05, that changed for a while. And now, obviously, Bryant's been on their run and everything. But that right. whenever you guys lost, I know Mitch broke his arm and sometime around the second quarter of that game, I, I bet you guys probably knew that the next season, I, and I feel like that the state knew, maybe some teams around like uh, Tech, I know you guys mentioned that or you, you guys played Shreveport Evangel that year, your mm-hmm. junior and senior season. So there were right. maybe teams regionally that knew what you guys were going to do in 2005. But I, I can imagine that at that point, that was – and going back to the humbling part aspect of it, Gus probably had to, you know, get you guys to the point where, you know, you guys knew in your heads where you were probably going to be a top 10 team, maybe even better than that. Right, right. We definitely uh, we definitely knew that was a possibility. And, uh, you know, I, I've – I truly believe this, and I've told um, players that I've coached in the past too. You know, there are always defining moments in your in your playing career and in your life, for that matter. Um, and for that 2005 Springdale team, I think the most defining moment we had is when we lost to Little Rock Central in the semifinals, because up to that point we were we hadn't lost and we were mercy ruling everybody. And so, in our mind, it's not that we got. Um, arrogant about it or that we were looking past Little Rock Central we we were very well prepared I thought for Little Rock Central um in terms of game plan it, it was the definitely the first time we had seen that level of uh competition and so we knew at the end of that season and we had kind of a an unofficial senior meeting uh if you will coaches weren't involved I don't even know if coaches knew we had it um we met up in the locker room um, and it, it was, you know, a group of like six or seven here. And then, you know, maybe like five or six over here um, just kind of, it was, I mean, you can't really call it a senior meeting as much as a lot of seniors just got together throughout, you know, leading up to Christmas break. And we all agreed that what, what just happened to us will not happen again. And so that was our defining moment that, okay, yeah, we were really good. And, and again, not that we got really big headed about it, but we just, we knew that if we run into that level of competition, again, we're going to be mentally prepared for it as well. We're going to be physically prepared for it. And there's not going to be a moment like that again for us. And so that off season was, um, of course, grueling in just the sake of the workouts that we went through and the coaches developed and designed for us. Um, but the way we attacked it and the way that we put ourselves through each, um, each drill, each competition, each lift, each rep, everything that we did had the minds, we had the mindset of, we are not going to let what just happened to us happen again. And so that was uh, definitely our defining moment. And I think that also played into when Coach Malzahn tried to keep us humble and, and you know, hey, don't pay attention to the, to the press clippings. They're all saying you're the best in the world. You know, until we win a state championship, let's not listen to what they're saying. At the end of the season, when we win it, and, you know, if and when we win it, um, and, we had, and we're sizing ourselves for state championship rings at that point, hey, you can tell us how great we are then. But until then, let's just focus on, on the task at hand. And I think 
I think losing in the semifinals in 04 was uh, the moment for us as a team that, that allowed us to really do that. If I remember correctly, Mitch was the only junior in the 04 season that was a finalist for the Landers Award. And so, as we've mentioned, he had already had an Arkansas offer at that point, and his recruiting had begun to take off. Was that about when you guys, meaning you and Andrew and Damien, was that kind of about the time that you were getting noticed as well? Uh, yes. So, um, uh, you know, dates and times definitely uh, start – they start fading over time. Um but it was after that 04 season that um, I received my first offer, which was from the Razorbacks. Um, and Mitch and, and – uh, I'm sorry, Damian and Andrew, um, it was sometime in that time frame uh, between the end of the season and, you know, the end of January uh, that all three of us and even Ben Cleveland, that, that the four of us received offers from Arkansas. Um, and then – it seemed like uh, just a, a steamroll at that point because it seemed every every couple days uh, Mitch would pick one up and Damien and then myself and I mean it just once we got the first one it just seemed it it just gained momentum and you know it was uh, it was very surreal because I started out hoping that I'd get an opportunity to play anywhere at any level in college. And it seemed like I turned around twice and now it's, you know, in all of us, we had multiple division one opportunities. Um, so it was, it was in that time frame, though, the, you know, late November to the end of January that we, we started picking those up. We're talking with former Springdale 5 member Bartley Webb, and we are up against a break. Much more when we come back. Stay with us. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of Believe Podcast and the Buzz Radio Network. Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479 368 6490. Again, that's 479 368 6490. Tackle your to do list without breaking your back or getting your hands dirty by calling Heinemann Services. Located in Northwest Arkansas, Heinemann Services is your premier company to get those projects done that you've been putting off. Whether small remodels, lawn care, carpentry, and much more, they take care of you in a timely manner with exceptional customer service. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. So there's all kinds of hype going into the 2005 season. I mean, the whole entire state knows that you guys, what you're about, at least what the potentials are. I actually remember going to Houston Nut football camp, and Mitch had showed up from a previous football camp that he had been to, and it was almost like the whole entire place stopped, and they rolled out the red carpet, and all eyes were on him, and all eyes were on the Springdale Bulldogs for the 2005 season. You guys, again, played Shreveport Evangel, blew the doors off of them. You played also Jinx, Oklahoma, who I'm pretty confident had won like 10 state titles of the 10 of the last 12 or something crazy like that. It was a big number. You guys beat them 44 to nothing and no one even came close. I'm, if I remember correctly, it was like the quarterfinals that Little Rock Catholic sort of hung with you guys until around halftime. And then after that, it was just a blowout like every other game was. And so leading up to that point, I know Gus had mentioned that he wanted you guys to commit because he just wanted to go ahead and get the distractions out of the way and focus on the season. I don't remember when was it? I know Mitch had committed to Arkansas. Andrew Norman had committed to Arkansas. When was it that you had committed to Notre Dame? Um, I committed in early August of 05. Um, we had, by the time I officially committed, we had already started training camp at Springdale that year. Um, I had made my decision for about a week or two before that. Um, and my thing was, um, and this kind of goes back to the way my parents raised me. Like when you make a commitment, when you make a, a, a commitment to somebody or a promise to somebody, you should look them in the eye and shake their hand and tell them what you're going to do. And uh, so that was kind of a big thing for me is I wanted to commit in person. And uh, so I actually went, we 
had our first week of training camp in 05. Um, and I worked it out with coach Malzahn figured out our, our practice schedule for that Friday. And, uh, so my family, we took off Friday evening. And I think if I'm not correct, I, I think we drove to South Bend, Indiana that night. So on Saturday, I sat in front of Charlie Weiss and, uh, John Latina, the offensive line coach, and I told him what I was planning on doing and that I wanted to come um, play at Notre Dame. And so that was early August. Uh, I don't remember the exact date, but it was definitely within the first 10 days of August of 05. And when you committed to Notre Dame, I and mean, was there anybody else from Notre Dame looking at other players from Springdale? And was any of them close to committing with you to Notre Dame? Um, at that point – I do not believe so. Um, they have, they they definitely were recruiting Mitch at one point. Um, if memory serves me right, I think Mitch had already committed to Arkansas or was kind of leaning that direction. So they, I do know that that Notre Dame had told Mitch, "Hey, we're taking two quarterbacks in this class," and at that point, they had two committed. So it. And and Mitch was already kind of leaning towards Arkansas, and, and the news was getting out that, hey, Arkansas may have a real shot at him. Um, and so I think they – and then the fact that they weren't going to take another quarterback, they kind of backed off of him. Um, so I, as far as were they recruiting anybody else, yes, they were recruiting Mitch. Uh, but I, to say that Mitch was considering at that point going there, uh, I think he had pretty much made up his mind. Um, that he was going to commit to Arkansas. And I had heard some rumors that there was also Texas was highly in the mix for you. Now, was that all true that you were actually in Mac Brown's office? Is there any truth to that? Uh, yes, there, there definitely, um, there's definitely some truth to that. Um, and, uh, of course enough time now has passed. Uh, hopefully I don't receive any, uh, any, death threat so to speak but texas was actually at the top of the list for me um for a very very long time in the recruiting process um and there you know i guess if i have to defend myself in this way you know i I did not grow up in the time of the southwest conference um so to me the arkansas texas rivalry of course i knew about it but i didn't have any you know, emotions into that rivalry, so to speak. Um, and so I was, uh, I did go down there for a few visits. Um, and they were somebody that I was definitely considering, um, for quite a while. And, uh, it's actually kind of funny. I'd mentioned earlier that, um, Mac McWhorter, who was the line coach at Penn state that I worked for, he was the offensive line coach at Texas. Um, so that's that's where I knew him, and that was where that connection came from. And so the, the as far as all of that goes, you said you were about to commit to Texas and all that. Was there ever a time now you know, I'll just go ahead and say it here, you know, we're all kind of letting everything out. There was a lot of people that had said that you had absolutely no, and I'm not getting you to try to get to trash Arkansas or anything like that, but were those true that you really just had no interest in going to Arkansas? Um, you know, it, it was, it's hard to say that specifically, there were some things about Arkansas that I, I won't say were turnoffs. It just, there were some things that I was not, um, enamored with, you know, um, and some of it was, I felt like one of my biggest strengths was as a pass protector. Um, and of course, Houston nut and Ar- that, that just was, that didn't fit necessarily uh, with his form of offense. And so I didn't feel like that was a spot that I could really showcase my strengths as a football player, as an offensive lineman. Um, and so, I mean, yes, I, there was a time when I was considering Arkansas. I mean, there was, I would be lying if I said growing up in Arkansas, I didn't grow up dreaming for playing, playing for the Ridgebacks um, and running through that A on Saturday afternoons. I mean, that, that was, um, you know, to this day, there are times where I've actually gone to Razorback games since, you know, 
since oh five year and i still sometimes will get you know almost a little choked up when it happened you know watching it take place um because of all those you know dreams that i had as a child um but it just it was kind of one of those just the timing wasn't right um just how i developed as a player and what i felt like my strengths were just didn't fit with with what arkansas was doing at the time and what ultimately led your decision to kind of not necessarily flip but you know you said you were strongly considering texas but what was the ultimate decision that led you you know to go to notre dame um so there were a few things um two in particular one was i um sometime in the summer uh i got i was contacted by texas i think they actually reached out to coach malzahn i don't think they could call us yet but they could call your coach and so they reached out to coach malzahn and said hey could you have uh bartley call me and uh, so i called coach mcwarder that evening and he said well bartley here's the situation um you know, in, in at Texas, especially at that time, they very, very rarely would they recruit outside the state of Texas um, because they just didn't have to. And, you know, uh, the talent pool that they have in state, they just didn't really have to. And so he said, you know, we're we're obviously recruiting you and you're not in Texas. We've got kids in the state that are good enough to play for us that we haven't offered yet because we have extended offers to you and offer to you. Um, so it kind of turned into a political thing of we've got some boosters that are kind of saying, Hey, why aren't we looking at Texas kids? Why are we waiting on kids from Arkansas? And so they essentially, they just said, Hey, if, if you want to come, we want you, but we need to know by, and they gave me a date. I think they gave me like till the end of the month. And, you know, I had about three weeks really um, to really make the decision and commit uh, in order to hold that spot. And that just kind of, I don't want to say it, it, it pissed me off. It, it didn't, but it made me start thinking like the question of, well, if you want me as bad as you say you do, why aren't you willing to wait for me to make the decision that, and make sure that it's the right decision. Um, and so I had some conversations with my parents about this and, um, you know, of course, you know, prayed about it and whatnot. And um, it was kind of funny. My my uh, my brother-in-law at the time um, said he, he was the one out of nowhere and uh, just sat me. He was talking to me one day and he said, you know, Barley, I won't be honest. He said, I grew up hating Notre Dame. He said, I hate the fact that they're always on national television, even, even when they're not very good. I hate the fact that they always seem to put guys in the NFL because of the fact that they're, they get so much notoriety and so much uh, exposure. I hate the fact that they have so much uh, tradition. And I, I just, he was like, I just hate Notre Dame for those reasons. And he goes, but every one of those reasons is exactly why you should go there. And it just kind of, I was like, that's a good point uh, that I never would have thought of on my own. And, um, and then my dad made a comment one day, he just said, Hey, if you line up all the offers that you have um, and you just, he's like, if you just put a monetary uh, value on these, he said, you know, you got Texas that's tuition per year is X amount and Arkansas is X amount. You know, he started going through some of these schools and he said, but then you look at Notre Dame, just the value, monetary value of that offer. That's the, that's the best offer you have. And so just those kind of things were really what started leading me towards Notre Dame. And, um, and then it ultimately just uh, came down to the fact that, you know, I, every coach has their recruiting pitch. Um, and I heard it, I heard several of them, you know, you go to a various, you know, different state school of, you know, let's say Arkansas, Florida, Texas, wherever. And they'd always say, Hey, if you come play here, you'll, you'll have a job in the state of Texas for the rest of your life. You'll have a job in the state of Arkansas. You'll be able to get a job in Arkansas anywhere. You'll be able to get a job in Florida anywhere. And Notre Dame looked at me and said, you come here, you'll get a job anywhere in the country, anywhere, anytime. 
And so just all of those things kind of in, in, in a way, it's kind of arrogant for Notre Dame to say that, but you know, they, in a lot of ways, they back it up because it's true. And so, um, just all of those things really kind of shifted me towards Notre Dame. I want to circle back to, you talked about the talent in Texas and our listeners know that I spent three years in San Antonio. I know you played in the army all American game down there. So you're a little familiar with the town. And mm-hmm. I, I've, I've said since I was, so I was 16 years old when you guys had your Oh five, so 15, 16 years old, you're two years older than me. And I've said since that time, and I will say probably till the end of time, that that team was the greatest in Arkansas history and could have hung with probably just about anybody in the country. That year, Tim Tebow was at Nice High School. Matt Stafford right. was at, at Highland Park. Greg McElroy was at Southlake Carroll. And Andy Dalton was at Katy, Texas. Did you or do you know if there was ever a time that maybe you guys had been in talks to play any of those schools? Um. I don't know about those schools specifically. I have heard um, since I've returned to Springdale, uh, there was a coach here that was coaching at Springdale at, at the time I played um, that was still involved with the um, athletic department. And so this would have been about six years ago. I heard him say that there was a group of people. I don't know who they were. I don't know anything about it. But there was a group of people that were trying at the end of the 05 season um, because we finished in one national poll. We finished number two uh, in the nation. And the team that finished number one was Lakeland, Florida. And so there was a, a group of people apparently trying to work out a way for us to play Lakeland um, after we had already won the state championship. And uh, from what I understand, as a coaching staff, they never even presented it to us as the kids because, of course, we would have said, yeah, let's play it. Um, But I think as a coaching staff, they kind of took a step back and was like, what do we have to gain other than, you know, a little more national exposure? But one, we've got, you know, five of us uh, in that senior class or a few more, actually, that that went one double A and and division two. And we've got a junior class uh, getting ready to be seniors that have potential being D1 guys. Like, God forbid we get any of those guys hurt playing a game that really doesn't matter um, other than just bragging rights to say, yeah, we beat the best team. Um, And so, you know, now that I look back on it uh, from that perspective, I'm kind of glad they made that decision because I definitely know if they had put it in our hands as the players – we would have played that game. Um, but so I have heard that since, you know, in the last six years, I, I knew nothing about it. I went 10 years, never knew anything about it until then. Um, but so I've heard that now, if there were talks about playing any of those other teams, uh, I haven't heard them. Um, it wouldn't surprise me, uh, just because, you know, we did get a lot of attention uh, in the region, especially uh, with uh, just the success we were having. Yeah, and to add to that, <clears throat> what I had heard was that there was a chance that they were trying to get you all to play South Lake Carroll and, and kind of try to make it a unofficial national championship. That So it's kind of like the same kind of game, but different team. But you know, back as speaking as a kid, how cool would that have been to be able to play an out-of-state school like that to kind of claim a national championship without it being official? Because, I mean, you never know. It could have started a whole new trend like what you see in yeah. these tournaments they have. Uh, yeah, and that's – and, you know, that's kind of why I said, like, if they had put it in our hands, we would have played it. And that kind of speaks to the, the, the mindset of, and I'm going to talk about Springdale as a community now, it, it kind of speaks to the tradition of Springdale and the community of Springdale. Is, um, we were raised in a mindset of we're not going to back down from anybody. Uh, so if someone wants to play us, hey, just tell us where we'll play in the parking lot. We don't care. Uh, we plan on, on beating you in the process. Um, so if it had been presented to us, yeah, we definitely would have played it and – putting myself in my 17 year old shoes, it definitely would have been a phenomenal opportunity um, just for the sheer fact of, I mean, how many people would grow up and 
ever have an opportunity like that. Um, so, I mean, that's, yeah, to say it, to, to ask is, is it, would it have been a, a great opportunity or, uh, something exciting to do? Absolutely. It would have been. And Bartley, you talked about how I want to go back to what we had mentioned about Gus and, and how he helped keep you guys humble and everything. When Mitch had decommitted from the university of Arkansas, reopened his recruitment, I remember Wally Hall writing an article talking about, you know, everybody just seems to be putting too much on the on the shoulders of a 17, 18-year-old kid. And I guess the same could be said for all of you guys on that team that were getting a bunch of hype. But I can imagine that it, for the most part, since you guys had already done your commitments before the season, that it was a little – I'm not trying to speak for you guys, but I would imagine that it was probably a little bit easier since you got that out of the way. But did the pressure come up a lot more whenever Mitch had decommitted, or did it kind of just stay the same? It just really you guys kept within your locker room. Um, you know, I, I, I certainly can't speak for Mitch. I didn't ne- – I never felt the – not to say I didn't feel any pressure because I definitely did. You know, you heard it of, Hey, you guys go to Arkansas. You, you're going to be the guys that turn it around. You, um, because at that time, Arkansas had been struggling for the last season or two. Um, you guys are going to be the ones that can turn it around. So there was a little pressure on me. I didn't necessarily feel, I mean, I was an offensive lineman, you know, I just, I go out there and just move people out of the way and let it, let everybody that's, you know, can run really fast, do the job. Um, but, in trying to put myself in Mitch's position, I can definitely uh, see where he could have been feeling that because, you know, he was, he was viewed in a lot of ways. I think I even heard people refer to him as this is he's the savior of Arkansas football. I mean, to put that on a 16, 17 year old kid that who grew up in the state. I mean, that's, that is a lot of pressure. Um, now again, I can't speak for exactly what his mindset was, but um if I were in his shoes, I would have definitely felt a lot of pressure um, to not only make sure I go to Arkansas, but that I have to live up to what everybody's expecting of me. Um, so, uh, again, now, if he didn't feel that way or if he was thinking something different, then that's, you know, I, he he can only speak to that. But uh, that's just if I were to put myself in his shoes, that's what I would have been thinking. Do you feel that basically, like whenever, kind of just building off of that and what I'd mentioned about, you know, like Wally Hall pointing out that that they're just putting too much on the shoulders of high school kids. Do you really feel that just the Arkansas, like, because I know that as a casual fan, that it's it's natural for someone to say that, oh, a five-star recruit or a four-star recruit is going to come in and revive a program. People still do that to this day, and even more so with the social media age. But do you feel more so that it was kind of a hype from the, I guess you could say the fan base, or do you think that the media was just a, put a little bit too too much pressure on you guys in general? Um, I don't know. I, I I think we were um, – I think it was it was one of those scenarios where it was a scenario that had never really played itself out in the state of Arkansas before, or if it had, it had been many, many years before um, or since, I guess I should say. And so I think everybody was so uh, – and myself included, you know, I, I considered myself a, an Arkansas fan, so to speak, um, and there were – a few years in there where, you know, the Razorbacks showed some hope and, and uh, kind of the earlier Houston nut era. Um, I think the, the year that with Matt Jones, where they went and they beat Texas in a cotton bowl and, and then they beat Texas in Austin, like a year or two later. I mean, th- there were moments where it was like, all right, all right, all right. And then we had, I uh, say we, Arkansas had uh, two, you know, two, three years, one year, whatever it was where it was like, oh man, we're, we're not very good. Um, and so I think there was definitely a hope that kind of the, the, someone's going to ride in and, and save the day, so to speak. And then, you know, and then you start hearing the rumbles about this five-star quarterback up here in Springdale, that's, you know, 10 miles away from the campus and, um, oh wait, not only that, but there's also a, a four-star receiver that's got offers from everybody. And there's a, a 
four-star, three-star, whatever we ended up being, offensive lineman, another receiver. Oh, there's also a tight end on the same team. They're all 10 miles from Arkansas. This is, I mean, this is a perfect storm that, that they're just 10 miles away from the campus. And, I mean, of course, they got to go to Arkansas, and that's what we need. Um, so I, I think the media may have played into it a little bit or may have hyped it up a little bit um, and caused some of that pressure. But um, I, I just think that it was just – I don't think it was anybody's fault. I don't think anybody was really trying to put too much pressure on on uh, the shoulders of 17-year-old kids. I think it was just kind of a, a scenario that no one was really knew how to handle. Um, and so it just kind of it kind of just evolved and, and developed a, a life of its own, so to speak. And a few years later, you know, you got to meet up with Mitch. You know, he went to USC and when y'all played, you know, Notre Dame USC. Did, did, did you get a feeling that he kind of regretted going to USC and going out there and playing? Maybe he wished he would have maybe joined forces at Notre Dame with you, or do you think he made the right decision? Um, so I never really got an opportunity to talk to him uh, in great detail. Um, and really, the by the time that they were at USC and then they came to Notre Dame, I'd actually already gotten hurt, so I wasn't even playing. Uh, so I really didn't get a much of much of an opportunity to to talk to him at all. Uh, that being them being Mitch and Damian. Um, I know I did speak to Damian much more than I did Mitch in that particular uh, evening after the game. Um, and Damian was, you know, I mean, of course, he was playing and, and doing very well for himself. So I think he. He was happy at USC, um, but I never really got into that with Mitch because, you know, he – I've always kind of uh, adopted the mindset of Mitch made the best decision he felt was right for Mitch. And, you know, it, life's – especially as I've gotten older and matured a lot, you know, life's a lot about – life's about choices. And once you make a decision – you can't go back and change it. So you just got to live with it and make the best opportunity you can. Um, so I never really wanted to put Mitch in that position and ask him point blank, Hey, do you regret coming here? Like that to me, that just kind of undermined in my mind, it would undermine his decision. And, and ultimately I didn't want him to think that I'm sitting around questioning what he did and why he did it. Um, so I never really got into that with Mitch. I just never, uh, he made the decision that, he thought was right. And, you know, it, of course, now we can look back with hindsight and say, well, you know, it didn't work out for him, but, you know, uh, I don't know if he regretted it or not. I, you know, I think a lot of people have seen the documentary that he put out um, or he didn't specifically put up, but it's about him. And, uh, you know, there were some things that were in that documentary that, I thought I knew Mitch pretty well, but I didn't necessarily, I never asked him, you know, like, Hey, do you want to play big time division one football and play in the NFL? According to what he said in the documentary, he never really dreamed, grew up dreaming of that. I, you know, I did. So I just assumed, you know, everybody did, you know? Um, so I, if, if that was kind of his mindset of, how he wanted his life to be is he didn't really want to be that guy. He didn't really grow up dreaming of that. Then, you know, I, he probably doesn't regret going there, you know, I, if that makes sense. And Barley, we'll close it out here with this the question and uh, we'll, we'll let you go. But you being in the coaching profession now, do you feel, I mean, you guys had more hype, whether you realize it or not. Again, you know, we've, we mentioned it a lot that Gus and the coaches that did a great job of uh, keeping you guys humble, keeping you guys away from the, the headlines and all that. But do you feel with being on the team that had the most hype in the history of the state of Arkansas, at least in, in modern times, do you feel that that has really helped you with your coaching career and, and really just teaching kids, especially in a social media age, how to handle all of that? Um, yes, uh, because yes and no. Um, my high school experience in terms of playing high school football was very unique. Um, and it's unlike what most people experience 
Um, so it's kind of hard for me to, to relate to the, I guess I don't really like using the word average, but the average experience. Um, and so it's kind of difficult for me to, um, there are times where I will kind of reference things like, well, you know, back, back when I played and then I really got to stop myself after that because I'm like, well, yeah, but it was different. Um, social media plays a huge role in it. We didn't, you know, you got kids now that, uh, nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. If it had been around when I was a kid, I would have been doing the same thing. You got kids that are on their phones constantly and they're constantly being bombarded with information, uh, criticism, judgment, you know, all of these various things. Um, and I think in a way they're kind of desensitized to it. Um, because it, it, it's so normal for them. Um, and I never had to experience that. So it's, uh, it definitely helped my coaching career in just trying to relay the, the message of, Hey, I, I, well, I'll tell you what helped me the most in my career. Uh, and I'll just go ahead and say it. getting hurts. What helped me the most in my coaching career. That was my personal defining moment. We talked about the 2005 teams defining moment earlier, my personal defining moment is when I got hurt because at that moment, that's when I realized, okay, football's not here anymore. I've got to figure out where I fit into this world now. Um, and it was a struggle for me for a while um, because I had spent so many years wrapped up in, I'm a, I'm a football player. I'm, I'm an athlete. That's this is what I do. This is who I am every day decision as a family when I was growing up, uh, eighth grade through 12th grade, and even into college, like family vacations were planned around football practice workouts. I mean, it, it dictated everything in my life. And so for me, it, it was hard to not be associated with that. So the message I send, I give kids more than anything nowadays is, uh, don't wrap your life up in that because even if I hadn't gotten hurt and let's say I got an opportunity to go play in the NFL, it was going to end someday. I mean, as far as I know, Tom Brady's probably the closest to it, but no one's going to play forever and no one's ever played forever. And uh, so it was definitely, it's going to end someday. And I was young. I was immature. I didn't really think about what was going to happen down the road. And, and, and it, uh, so that's kind of the message I give kids nowadays is, just don't spend every moment wrapping yourself up into an identity that's not going to last because at the end of the day, the, 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 the young man, or, you know, as you mature, the man you see in the mirror that you're stuck with him forever. And whether he's a football player, whether he's a, a successful businessman, whether he's a, goes in the military and, you know, receives distinguished honors there, whether he's a dad, whatever it is, you're stuck with him forever. So you better make sure that whatever, whatever he turns into and, and develops into that lasts forever is something you, you enjoy looking at. Um, so that's probably the, my biggest life lesson I give my players nowadays uh, that I've got into coaching. Um, and I think we're in a society now where um, just, kids are kind of, they're kind of bombarded with the opposite of that because you're, they're all about the, you know, getting as many people to click the like button as they can. Um, so they kind of find their, their fulfillment in things that aren't going to last forever. And, um, so I'm, I'm definitely grateful that I didn't have to go through that as a, you know, teenager. Um, but, you know, as a father now, I, I know it's here. It's going to stick around. And I got three young boys of my own now that, uh, uh, you know, it, I, I spend a lot of time um, just thinking about how I'm going to navigate that as a dad with my own three sons. We've been talking with Bartley Webb, former member of the infamous Springdale 5 football team. And Bartley, really thank you for your time, man. And it has been a pleasure talking with you. We wish you and the Harbor Wildcats success in the upcoming season and uh, best of luck to you and your coaching endeavors, man. 
I really appreciate you guys having me on today. Well, guys, the show was presented by Bet Online. Check out betonline.ag to place your bets on anything and everything. For Porter Hayes and Bartley Webb, my name is Kyle Sutherland. We will catch you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.